the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 1160. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome to The Common Good on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm and joined again by Ian Simpkins. You can follow us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. Find old shows online at 1160hope.com. And you can call us at 312-660-2594. Ian, my friend, this is a big day today. Is is it, though? It is, and I am going to make sure it's a big day today. I mean, we don't have to to go there right now. Oh, we're going there, my friend. Oh, boy. Those of you who might be wondering, today is my co-host's. 36th birthday. Happy birthday, friend. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Oh, goodness. Oh! <laughs> A little surprise from our producer. There you go. So happy birthday. Do you feel older? What are you feeling like today? I feel like I'm 96. <laughs> <is what I'm... laughs> That's what sleeplessness with a, uh, with a newborn will do to you. So those of you who may know, if you've been on our, with us uh, over the last couple of weeks of our show, Ian and his wife recently had a newborn uh, and if you could sit here right now, you would see that uh, that my co-host is is looking like he's been in a twelve round fight right now. <laughs> I'm also like so uncomfortable with birthday attention. Anyway, that's why I'm going to continue. We got two hours. Oh of my it goodness today. gracious! Speaking of which, here's what I would like to do today. Oh boy, here's what I would like to do. Uh, if you would be so, I, I want to honor our co-host today on his birthday. <laughs> So if you would be willing, the phone number is 312-660-2594, 312-660-2594. No matter what we're talking about, no matter what we're doing, <laughs> oh, no. I want you to call and wish Ian a happy birthday. Oh, if boy. you could say something nice to him, you can just wish him a happy birthday. You could sing to him, whatever you'd oh, like gosh. to do. <laughs> if you would like to do that, just give us a call at 312 312- Six six zero two five nine four. We'll put you right on the air. I'm just going to leave right now. You can do the rest of the show by yourself. I can't. Oh boy, I'm going to enjoy today a lot. You seem to already be enjoying it plenty. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy today a lot. And my birthday's not till May, so you're not even going to remember this. Probably on a Saturday this year. Hopefully, so. I'll be so, sleeping by May, though. That's totally. the hope. Totally. Well, man, on your birthday, I, I didn't want to dive in in just heavy topics. I, we have a TV here in the studio, and every time I look up, I'm seeing. Uh, Jesse Smollett, I'm seeing Roger Stone, I'm seeing all these heavy stories. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to start a little inspirational today. All right. Uh, and so a year ago today, uh, a year ago today, actually, Billy Graham passed away. That was a year ago. Isn't, isn't that crazy? Wow. Here's a weird one, man. I remember doing the first ever 
Remember they would have you and I come in and kind of tape some stuff for Saturday morning yeah, separately right. and stuff. First one I ever did was about Billy Graham and his death. So No kidding. Yep. yep. Wow. And so uh, that is where we are at. And so Billy Graham died a year ago today. Uh, and there was this quote that went around the Internet. And they actually figured out that this quote uh, had less to do with Billy Graham and more uh, to do with D.L. Moody. Uh, but it had to do with kind of death being swallowed up in victory. Uh, and he said this. I just found this very inspirational. Now I'd love to just talk about Billy Graham and his his legacy a year later amidst mm. all the craziness of what's going on in our world. Because he wasn't perfect, uh, but he was kind of America's pastor. And so Billy Graham said this, and D.L. Moody actually said pretty much the same thing. said, someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. Mm. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Yeah. And so thinking about that quote, go, man, he's been, he's been gone for a year and that just takes on some added, like uh, just not wait in a bad way. Just like uh, it's just, it's just crazy to think about, man. He's been gone a year. He's uh, what do you, let's start here. Where do you think Billy Graham's legacy, uh, Billy Graham's legacy, even a year after his passing, what, when I bring up the name Billy Graham, what do you think about? I think it's fascinating, especially in Chicagoland, when the landscape in the last year has so dramatically shifted, particularly in the area of like the celebrity pastor, absolutely, where you know Graham, I don't think there'll ever there'll ever be another Billy Graham, at least to that scale in that way. And you know, I mean, you mentioned it, he, you know, wasn't a perfect man uh, by any stretch, but I I do I do think that there was an earnestness yes. to him and his ministry. Um, and again, I didn't I didn't know the guy. I didn't even really grow up with him. So a lot of people are like, oh, man, he was like my first pastor from a distance. I like I've read all his books. That's not really my background, not for any specific reason. But it wasn't really till I moved out here uh, for undergrad at Judson University that I like I really got to know the name Billy Graham. Yep. So I have like a, a little bit of a different emotional attachment, I think, to him and his ministry and his legacy. But, uh, yeah, I do. I do wonder in an age of like highly politicized religiosity, yeah. if uh, some of these massive legacies like Billy Graham's um, over the course of decades may steer in other directions that maybe at the onset they were never intended to go that way. Mm. And that that is humbling too, right? To yeah. think about um, not only, you know, that we all will eventually um, pass, but that the things that we say or do or books that we write or whatever, even things like this show, you know, mm -hmm. like there, there's a possibility of the stuff that, you know, we're a part of creating now that uh, could always become something that we never intended to, you know, decades on the road. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really odd thing to think about when you're in the midst of creating and dreaming and developing stuff. And I think um, Billy Graham will forever be one of the most recognizable names Absolutely. in evangelicalism. Um, but I, I wonder as time progresses uh, how that how that legacy will, will progress. Yeah, I remember when I was in junior high, maybe, I think, we went to a Billy Graham crusade uh, in New Jersey at the Meadowlands. Hmm. And I still remember, I was a Christian already, and but I remember just being blown away. We were sitting near the top row uh, of, uh, I think it was called the Brendan Byrne Arena, where the Devils and the Nets played. Hmm. And uh, just listening to him and being amazed, like, this guy's speaking to a whole stadium. And then, right. you know, they play just as you are, or just as I am, or whatever it was. And, and, the, and people just flooding down the uh down the aisles and i love the word you use there earnestness because there there was a uh, you know it becomes easy to romanticize billy graham there was yes, a lot of right. things about billy graham that uh can be picked apart um 
but the earnestness, this focus on the gospel, yeah, that he wanted people to hear about Jesus, and he gave his life to that. I then went to Wheaton College, and you know, Wheaton College was where Billy Graham went to college, so you, mm-hmm. you just hear about him all the time. The Billy Graham Center is where I took most of my classes, and uh, you know, I, there's a couple things I take away from the life of Billy Graham. One of them, that earnestness to see people know the gospel. Uh, Two, you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, was that at the end of his life, he did have a little bit of regret about how much he preached. Mm. He said, I wish I prayed more and spent more time with my family. Yeah, right. And I remember reading that and being like, that's Billy Graham, man. Like, yeah. that's maybe yes. I should listen to that. And just, you know, like you said, in the area, that, especially where we live around here with everything with Willow and Harvest and everything, uh, again, Billy Graham wasn't perfect, but he was a man of integrity. Yep. And, and to see the integrity that he that he lived with. Yep. Um, is really encouraging, and and you kind of already miss it yeah. like a year later. Well, and it's one of the quotes that I, I will always remember from him, and it was sort of like in a one-off conversation. I don't even think it was in a sermon. He said, anyone who can be argued into a faith can be argued out of it. Uh, it's sort of this posture of like, man, we, we keep having these screaming matches, and like little did he know <laughs> with the introduction of Facebook and Twitter how much that would ramp up. But like He's like, my goal is not to argue somebody, to bash or shame someone into faith, but to to love them and love them well, to keep as best I can showing them Jesus, the real Jesus. And yeah. I thought, man, what a what a humble posture from a guy that could apparently draw crowds in the tens of thousands. Yes. If anyone had the right, quote unquote, to be like, oh yeah, I could I could argue someone into a faith or believing because I'm I'm Billy Graham. He's like, man, my goal by no stretch is to argue or try to like pin someone Good. else to the ground, but to Man, I just want to keep showing him Jesus in a really, uh, hopefully, authentic way. And I think that, that for me, has always been a really powerful reminder. I love at the end of this article about Billy Graham. Though Moody, uh, D.L. Moody and Billy Graham have both left this world, their legacies live on. Indeed, we can be confident they are more alive now than they have gone up higher and rest in the presence of God. And thanks be to God, through their ministries, countless others who now joyfully join them can say the same. That's a great legacy. That's great, That's man. a great legacy. Well, we're off and running. On Ian's birthday. So, again, <laughs> if you want to call and wish Ian a happy birthday, you can do so at 312-660-2594. 312-660-2594. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160. Hope for your life. AM 1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, and I am joined again with Ian Simpkins. You can follow us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. Ian is hating life right now because <laughs> I am just telling everybody that it's his birthday. Oh, my gosh. You knew we were going to do this to you today. You had to know. I kind of was hoping you'd forget or well, something. You're the one who told us it was your birthday. Uh, so. That's my mistake. Here's sure. what I want to do today, people. I want you to call. I, I just want to take calls today, people wishing Ian a happy birthday. So let me give you the number, 312-660-2594. That's 312 660 Two five nine four. In fact, I want people who don't even know Ian oh, to call. Like you, you've never met him before in your life. I want you to call. I'm starting to feel desperate, man. <laughs> no, I, I'm wanting this to happen. And here's the good news: we've got our first caller, and oh, I'm boy. excited for this one. So go ahead. Happy birthday, <laughs> Mr. President. 
Happy birthday to you. Yeah. We love you, Leanne. Oh, I'd know that. I'd know those voices anywhere. <laughs> I love you, Mom and Pops. <laughs> love you, too. Oh, Enjoy that's... your day, sweetie. All right, bye-bye. I love bye. you. Thanks for calling. <laughs> I'm ready to – we could turn the show off now. That was as good as it gets. That's as good as it gets. So, again, if you want to call and wish Ian, Ian a happy birthday – uh, 312-660-2594. That was a bold move to go the uh, Marilyn Monroe route. There, though. <laughs> <laughs> Told you, your mom was dead. It was my dad doing the Monroe. I-, I hope that I make a little more sense now in light of what just I transpired just here. I say that. Like, I've never met your parents, but I get you more now. Oh, man, that made me I smile get, so big. I get, I get you more. So Facebook, you could do the Common Good Radio Show. And again, you could call at 312-660-25. Nine four. We're going to make a hard right turn here. You ready? This oh, is there is no goodness. good segue here. Uh, <laughs> Want to talk a little bit about if you've been watching news today? You've seen Covington Catholic High School. You remember that story? I do remember, remember that story. The Covington yes, Catholic school where the boys. Uh, it was uh, it was that story where um, the boys. It looked like they were just taunting uh, this poor old Native American guy, uh, and the stories ran it. Uh, just they they just crucified these high school kids, right? right? And I don't think these high school kids were in the right at all. I think everybody in this story was in the wrong, mm. uh, but they went all in on them. Uh, and then, uh, you know, kind of the real story started to come out. Uh, and now that kid who you always see kind of with that smile, Nicholas Sandman, yeah. uh, is suing the Washington Post. You ready for this number? Yeah. For $250 million wow. in a defamation lawsuit claiming the newspaper falsely accused him of racist acts and instigating a confrontation with a Native American activist in January at the Lincoln Memorial. What are your thoughts about that? Well, my uh, my good friend, Dr. John Armstrong, actually uh, posted this a couple of days ago. And the his his audience, his uh, community offers such helpful feedback because they're right and left, old and young, progressive, conservative. I'm always amazed at just the, the feedback that he gets from people. Um, and I'm reading through it now and I'm realizing it's actually m- much more complicated than I would have. Absolutely. Get, like I read it at first and think, all right, come on, man. Like. The story, as we talked about, certainly had all sorts of twists and turns. And the angle that we kind of took was how quickly we jumped to the conclusion that confirms the conclusion I already had. Yes. And the dangers of doing that, particularly in a public sphere. Like, see, I knew it. And then, you know, a longer video came out. And the other side said, see, we knew it. And then more video came out. And I thought, oh, okay, time out. Everybody, can we please – let's just find some due diligence here in the midst of that. Um, But I do – I, I, on one hand, I think yeah, these these uh, these large organizations need to be held accountable for sure. Like yes. there's there's a vast amount of irresponsibility, I think, in the people that are supposed to be the gatekeepers of like fact and reporting. Yes, and this kid is a high schooler. However, the the other part of me, the maybe more rational part of me, thinks yep. that's an enormous number. <laughs> that's yes. right. That's maybe. Yes. And I don't, I don't know if like I doubt they expect to get it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the point. Maybe you shoot for the moon. And then you land somewhere, you know, that's maybe more appropriate. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on this one for sure. Yeah, I'm to the point with this story where it feels like everybody involved was in the wrong. Yeah, right. And that you probably feel like your confirmation bias, as you like to say, makes you feel like who's more wrong. Uh, but I just kind of want this story to go away. Like when I saw that he was suing, I was like, I'd probably do that if it were me too. But man, mm. uh, I, I kind of wish they would all just kind of go away. Yeah, maybe, maybe the whole folk, maybe the whole reason for doing it is to make a point. Yeah, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't like. 
uh, plan on winning at all anyway, yep. but to kind of send a message. I'd love to see someone just donate like a pizza party for everybody. Can we all please just sit down and have a pizza party and and like talk this through? That's I would love to see. If you're listening and you got a bunch of extra money, <laughs> let's make that happen. Let's get a sit down pizza party for us to like kind of put this thing behind us. Yeah. I do think when you and I talked about Covington in the last couple of weeks, I thought the best point for me out of it was, especially as followers of Jesus, we need to really value the truth. Yeah, right. Not our biases, but we really need to value the truth. Well, uh, that story is probably going to keep going, but we'll get there. Yeah, I hope so. Guess what we have now? (laughs) Is it another caller? We do. (laughs) We do. We got another call for Ian. So before we listen to this one, if you want to call and wish Ian a happy birthday, 312 Six six zero two five nine four. Let's. Ian does not know who this is, so why don't you go ahead? Hi, this is Carrie Holland, owner, calling. Hi, Carrie. How are you? <laughs> he sounded very desperate for calls. I am. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'm telling him. If you could see the smile on his face right now, this man has no shame. He's gonna. He's gonna say that number forty more times before today is done. Because I know deep Happy down. Birthday, Ian. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for calling. We're, we were very excited to line up these phone calls. So <laughs> thank you for calling. Well, this is fun. See, I'm not desperate for calls for me. I'm desperate for calls for you. I mean, the key word still is desperate, though. You're desperate regardless of the motive. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's fair. Maybe. What are, uh, what are the birthday plans tonight? Oh, the birthday plans probably will go right to sleep. I, think I, I will drive home. You did tell me right that you slept from. You went to bed at three o'clock last night because of your kids or because of meetings. I mean, we or don't need to of, tell everybody listening it's that. Crazy, That's, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, it is crazy. So uh, again, uh, this is the Common Good, and you can find us at Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. Uh, that is the Common Good. Radio show, and I was just you know we, we're taking calls in the midst of these, but I was thinking to this Covington story again. Uh, before we close it out, how would you pastorally tell people to treat the truth? Like as followers of Jesus, how do we take these news stories? How do we filter them and handle them correctly? In your opinion, gosh, I don't know that I can answer that in sixty seconds yeah. or less. I think it's just important to recognize everyone has a bias, yeah, um, and that we need to be a people who diligently go after the truth, even if it means that at times. We, we find out we're the ones that are in the wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, go after the truth unless it makes you uncomfortable or unless yeah. it, you know, it shows your own bias or yeah. your own particular bent. Um, but to at all cost, uh, and, you know, I've been saying this the last couple of days, like we need to stand with the people who are victimized and marginalized, right. and I think that's the safety of the vulnerable is always more important than the reputation of the powerful, and that mm-hmm. is uh, uh, an easy thing to say into a microphone and a difficult thing to actually live out, but to follow the truth wherever it leads, yeah. um, I think is a really, really important reminder. I do appreciate that. Uh, that, that. That message that you bring back over and over again. And I would say this too, in the internet age that we live and in the cable news world that we live in and in the polarization that we live in, don't always believe the first story you see. Yeah, Like give it time. You don't need to be first. Like I remember after seeing the Covington story, I remember I went out and I think we were with my parents that night, and I was told to my dad, I said, did you see that Covington story? He's like, no. I said, it's bad. Like, these kids are bad. It's mm. everything bad about kids. Mm. And I, so I jumped right to Right, right. I just think, especially as people who claim to, to follow the Lord of truth, that we need to, we need to take truth uh, really seriously. Yep, totally agree. Coming up next, we are going to have a guest. We're going to talk to a guy by the name of David Hunter. 
uh, David Hunter uh, produces, and he works for The Green Room Productions. So we're excited to talk to David Hunter. That's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. AM 1160. Coming up next, we're going to talk to David Hunter from the Green Room Productions. But first, you might remember the worship albums called City on a Hill with artists like Jars of Clay, Third Day, Phil Kagey, and Sixpence None the Richer. It was compiled by a band called The Choir, who wrote the praise song God of Wonders. The Choir will be live in concert this Friday at the Warehouse Church in Aurora, and it's a free concert. To see all the details or reserve your seat, go to thechoir.net. That's thechoir.net. AM 1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined again by Ian Simpkins. And today's a fun day. It's Ian's birthday. And so he's just cringing here as we're taking phone calls. If you would like to call and wish Ian a happy birthday. You can do so at 312-660-2594, or if he gets too many calls, you can just wish me a happy Thursday, <laughs> I suppose. And uh, I believe that we have a couple more calls. A couple more people want to wish Ian a happy oh birthday. So go ahead. Hi, this is Brittany. I'm uh, the producer of Lawyers for Jesus. Awesome. Hey, Brittany. AM 1160. Yeah, we heard it was uh, Ian's birthday here at Malcolm Baker. So on behalf of the team here, we'd love to wish you a happy birthday and might I add, I also share a February birthday, so oh, that's good. Uh, right I always on. appreciate. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks, Brittany. Thank I appreciate Brittany. that Thank very you. much. All right. Have a good night, guys. Yep, you too. Oh, we don't just have one call. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, we've got two. Here we go. Hi, my name is Justin. I just wanted to tell Ian happy birthday and wanted to ask him which Creed album he would want for his birthday. <laughs> This feels like a trap. It feels like someone with prior knowledge. <laughs> and I, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, thank you for calling and thank you for that. That's good. No problem. Ah, there we go. See, Which Creed album? <laughs> I didn't know there was more than one album. Anyway, we're, like, we're just having some fun, enjoying ourselves here. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, you can do it. Show it, The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. And again, this is The Common Good. Well, we're excited to be joined right now by David Hunter. Uh, David Hunter uh, is, uh, makes live, living, producing, performing, and directing theater in his 20s. Uh, through an organic career shift, Dave found himself producing and directing videos for companies and nonprofits, which he still does to this day, through his company, Green Room Productions. Green Room creates video content for companies who are making a positive life change in the people they serve in his fun time. Fun time. I like that. Mm. Dave still performs improv comedy shows with Green Room Improv. Uh, so, Dave, thank you for joining us today. Hey, you're very welcome. Glad to be here. Happy birthday to the, the Ian that is with us today. <laughs> the, the Ian. I hope that nickname sticks. Hopefully you don't give me a Creed album. That's the only thing I'm asking for today is no I didn't Creed. Know you like Creed. I don't I like Creed. Dave, that was the joke, I think. <laughs> I could be wrong. It's hard to read sarcasm over the phone. Dave, so you and I know each other. We uh, we both went to Judson University together. Uh, you legitimately are one of the funniest dudes I know, but you also have... 
like an incredible entrepreneurial drive. And uh, I'm I'm really curious, kind of off the bat, why improv? Like I don't know a lot of people who uh, have done improv, are doing improv, who have started uh, improv organizations. Like what was the what was the thought process there in the first place to like you know what I'm going to create my own improv troupe um, that is legitimately one of the funniest things that I've ever been a part of. Like, can you just talk us through a little bit? Why, why was that a, a, a starting point for you? Well, yeah, thanks for the kind words. I, um, I don't know. It's kind of like when you do things like in high school and college, I think, I mean, for me at least, I just sort of fell into it because yeah. I think I had a natural propensity for it. And what, what happened was I actually came to Judson University and I was going to be a theater major. Mm. And the year, my freshman year, they canceled the theater program because of budget cuts. Oh, gosh. And so there was this play scheduled in the fall. And, you know, we were, I was also to do it. And it was, uh, was going to be a nice, challenging show. And they just totally cut it. And they cut the major, so I couldn't major in it. Right. And it's kind of like a big letdown. But because they, they cut it that year, there were still theater people around who had done theater in previous years. And one of them sort of tapped me. It was like, hey, we're thinking about just doing a student show where we just sort of reserve the theater and then put on a show. And it's like a sketch comedy show. And maybe we could do some improv. Are, are you interested? And I had, in my high school days, done some improv in high school just for fun, like in workshop classes. And then I was also at church a little bit. So I was like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. And what kind of started happening was, I sort of became the director. So like, even Mm. though me and this one guy kind of started it together, I had some sort of natural leadership ability from wherever. And so I kind of (laughs) default became the director and I actually wound up choosing for my, uh, like my, my theater major, if you will, I wound up doing a thesis on using improv. Uh, so I was able to study at second city and do classes and books and do all my thesis papers all about, improvisation and Mm. and basically that student group got really famous on campus and then we started getting hired off campus and then here we are 18 years later still performing and directing and and doing shows and we have two resident theaters we're probably going to be opening a third resident theater in the fall wow you're listening we're talking to david hunter about green room improv for more information you can go to green room video Dot com. You can follow them on Instagram at Green Room Video or also at Facebook at Green Room Video. Uh, David, why don't you paint a picture? We would love some of our listeners to come see you guys. Why don't you paint a picture for what people can expect uh, if they were to come out to a show? Well, we do. Uh, it's family friendly for one thing. So we have teenagers in the audience all the time. We have nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds. And that's that's unique in the improv world. Usually improv is a bit more of a blue sort of thing or, or it's you know there's content that's not really appropriate but uh we are definitely family friendly and it's very high energy if, if you've seen the show whose line is it anyway yep it's kind of like that but uh much higher energy i guess that's that kind of how i would explain it so there's a lot of uh a lot of dancing on stage a lot of getting audience <laughs> involved on stage um you know improvised songs improvised scenes sketches all kinds of stuff so and what's fun about doing if you've never seen live improv before yeah what's fun about it is like for whose line is it anyway they will film like multiple, you know, shows and then and then edit down all the good stuff and then you get to see that right. on TV. So if you you get to see come see people skydiving and like sometimes failing in a live show and it's kind of like it's fun to watch it not work and then it's fun to watch it work right after and right. to see what the percentage uh, you know what percentage is it good versus not good. We try to aim for like a ninety percent good and then ten percent crap. That's kind of our goal. That's Always awesome. our goal. 
<laughs> well, Dave, I know, I know from all this improv stuff, you also launched a, a production company, Green Room Productions, and you and I have talked a little bit about uh, not only that craft, but like the way sometimes the church gets it right, sometimes the way the church gets it wrong. I think a lot of times when it comes to different art forms, the church doesn't quite know what to do with that. Can you just talk to me a little bit about like what it's like starting a production company? What do you do and like what uh, Christians and church leaders can learn about the stuff that you're doing and ways that maybe we can think about um, production in our, in our own context. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're not doing video these days, you're kind of behind mm-hmm. at this point, right? It's almost, it's almost inevitable now that video is more, I mean, Google, it's the most popular search engine and second to Google is YouTube. It's the second most popular uh, search engine wow. that exists, which happens to be owned by Google. So <laughs> Google's right, it. right. But, but, you know, I've, I've always told people like, I serve companies and nonprofits, and I've got a few churches as well. And um, one of the one of the most powerful things about video is that in about ninety seconds to two minutes, you can communicate what's what a ten minute conversation would require hmm. to communicate. And but the difference between the communication on the video and the ten minute conversation is that you can evoke emotion in the video, and so it becomes more memorable or it becomes yeah. more impactful because they wound up finding themselves in the video in some way, if it's, if it's intended for the right audience, you know, yeah. I mean, I could go to a, I could make a video about metal deck company and put it in the church and nobody's going to really be emotionally impacted. Right. But if we're telling stories, you know, two people who care about these things or who have given money to this church for this thing or whatever. Um, what a, my largest climax last year actually was a church uh, that was in a, a more wealthy area in Oak Brook. And they we they were doing a campaign like a giving campaign, and what they have found through their consultant and everything is that when you tell people stories of how people are people's lives are changing because of giving, and you and you're open with here's where your money's going, and here's what we're trying to do, and here's what we want to do, and here's what's working, and here's where the needs are, uh, people give in a much higher percentage because they feel like they're involved in what their money's doing in some way. At least they know. Okay, cool. There's a life I can look at that my dollars have helped impact yeah. uh, versus a bulletin or a printout or a book or an email right, yeah. where they may or may not read it, right? But if a video goes out and says, hey, here's where your money's going towards, or here's what, here's what your money's doing, uh, it means something to people. I think people who give to churches and nonprofits want to know that their money's being used wisely and is actually having an impact, you know? So I just have one quick, we got just like 30 seconds. Uh, when people know that you do improv, do they just always expect you to be funny? <laughs> do they like just walk around <laughs> do, and like, yeah. tell me a joke? I've had people in a meeting be like, oh, this guy, he's really funny. Hey, hey, Dave, do something. <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. Thanks for the <laughs> setup, man. Am I supposed to juggle? And so I, I always tell my, I only do it, you know. For money, so I, you have to pay me if I, you mean if make your effort right now. And then they, then they, we move, like, get out of it, you know. You move on, but it's very like quickly. I'm a monkey with symbols, and they're like, hey, hey, make the monkey hit the symbol, do it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, yes, it is a thing. That it is, is a thing. Sure. Well, that's what, maybe sometime we'll have you come in here and bang your symbols. We'll do that. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes for good radio. Really exciting. That is awesome. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, you've been listening to David Hunter. He's from Green Room Productions and Green Room Improv. If you'd like to go to one of their shows, you can find information at greenroomvideo.com. Well, coming up next, we are going to talk about an article or a blog post from Michael Frost in which he asks this question. Is your church a lawn 
or a forest floor? We're going to discuss that question next. This is The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160. Hope for your life. AM 1160. Happy birthday. Sure about this. this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> sure about this. That was our producer calling it calling an audible there. Yeah, if My you want to call it that. Yes. Welcome back to the Common Good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. My name is Brian Fromm. Joined with Ian Simpkins. It is Ian's birthday, hence the music. Oh, is it? Are you enjoy? Is this like your most favorite or your least favorite birthday ever? I plead the fifth. At this point, we have an hour to go, so we'll find out. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. Before we went to the break, Ian, those of you who don't know us, uh, I'm the pastor at um, Four Corners Community Church. Did you forget the name of your church <laughs> for a second? <laughs> the music threw me. Four Corners Community Church at Darien, Illinois, and Ian is the teaching pastor at Community Christian Church, the Yellow Box in Naperville. True. And so every now and then we like to speak pastorally and speak about the church. And with that in mind, uh, Michael Frost wrote, and if any of you out there know Michael Frost, he, he likes to be provocative and speak about the church. And he asks this question, is your church a lawn or a forest floor? Mm. Which when I first read that question, I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but then he goes to flesh it out. And he says that, you know, most of us, like we spend all of our time uh, having these natural, beautiful looking lawns. We spend a lot of time on our lawns. In fact, in mm. this article... Uh, it says something to the effect of Americans spend $27 billion per year caring for their lawns. Like this is a big business deal. And so he he proceeds to talk about what's the difference between a manicured nice lawn and a forest floor. And what yeah. he says is if you don't take care of your lawn, the forest floor is going to take over hmm. is basically it. So let me read to you what he says, and then I'd love your thoughts on this. Okay. Frost writes, I think this being the lawn versus the forest floor is a powerful metaphor for the unfurling of the reign of God in this world. Mm. Imagine a perfect lawn right alongside an ancient forest. The forest represents the kingdom of God, rich, diverse, alive. The lawn represents the stultifying effects of this world, consumerism, greed, conformity, violence. Mm. If left to their own devices, the lawn would be no match for the forest. It would be converted from uniformity and neatness into wild, messy diversity in no time. And let me Mm. skip down. He says, the kingdom of God, as described and embodied by Christ, strives towards justice and reconciliation. The world unleashed by King Jesus is a beautiful, life-giving reality that values messy things like peace, mercy, hospitality, and generosity. It looks more like a wet, fertile ecosystem teeming with hopeful possibility than a boring, uniform lawn. So my first thought is I wish I could write like him. Yeah, no and kidding. Have that creativity. Jeez, Louise. But you hear that, and you, you've read a lot of Michael Frost stuff. What are your, what are your thoughts about well, the picture he's painting there? Let me first say, in the practical sense, uh, I really hate caring for my lawn. Like if, you, <laughs> if you get up close, it's like a well-mowed field of weeds. Like I am not a fertilizer guy. I'm not a run-the-sprinkler guy. I'm like a just keep it sort of yep. maintained, but yep. that, that's about it for me. Uh, it is a little insane how much money we spend maintaining our lawns. Yes, but it I, is. I like uh, Frost's sentiment here a lot because I think um, at my worst, I am drawn to like neat, orderly, things that make sense, things that are predictable. Yep. And there's there's this proverb that I'd never noticed before, actually. I read just a couple of days ago. And uh, the general sentiment of the proverb was, um, if you want a clean barn, just don't have any oxen. Mm. But if you want to actually experience the harvest, well, that's going to take some cattle. And I think that's probably like wow. a Eugene Peterson <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> translation like <it. laughs> there. But that general sense, though, that like, 
Yeah, yeah, you can keep things all nice and tidy. That yeah. that is your um, option, particularly as a as a church planner or a church leader. Um, but is is that where like the real life and redemption is found? And I, yeah. I remember writing years ago about this idea, and I I I, I kind of came up with this thought that when when the people the types of people who ran toward Jesus are the ones that are running away from our churches, that should give us pause. Yeah. And I think that's tough because in a lot of cases, particularly in the West, um, the church does sometimes run more like a business. And when you run like a business, you got to think about your base and you got to think about all these things that like make yeah. these things possible. And I'm, I don't think any of those are inherently evil, but I do know in my own heart, there is a, a, a proclivity towards the neat, the orderly, the things that I can like control, the things that I can predict. And um, when I look back though on ministry years and people ask like, oh man, share a story of ministry that really meant a lot to you. Yep. It's, it never has anything to do with those neat orderly seasons. It always has to do like, man, this crazy story or this mess that I couldn't have seen coming or like entering into pain and grief. Like that's the irony to me is that while I often in the day to day live in wanting this order, this like nice manicured lawn. Yeah. When I look back though, when people ask like, man, what are the stories that really resonate? It's always the messy ones. Yeah. So I'm like, why, why is that so hard for me to see the value in the mess in the midst of it? When I know that in hindsight, those are the stories that I want to tell. Yeah. And it's really interesting. The, the church that I'm a part of, we started it nine years ago. And when we first started the church, we were all about mess, right? Yeah. Like, because you didn't know any better. You right, were willing to right. try stuff. And even after only nine years, like we haven't been around 50 years or whatever, even after nine years, I personally feel a greater desire for safety and control, let alone my people. Right. Like, and I don't even mean control, like in the powerful ways that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Like I want to control people. I just literally mean like, I want to have everything predictable. I want to know right, what things right. are going to look like. And, uh, but and then at the same time, looking back nine years ago, go, man, that was kind of fun. Yep. Like it was fun, but it's a risk. It's it's risky to be this just kind of like he describes a forest floor where different things are growing and different things. Everything looks different and it's messy, but it's beautiful. Totally. It's a great picture he paints. Well, one of the things that I never realized, too, we had done a series last year about prayer and I was doing some commentary work on the the mustard seed and every sermon i'd ever heard about the mustard seed was like small things can create big things like that's the whole that's the whole thesis of that illustration usually but i found that there was actually in a lot of regions jewish code that forbade the planting of a mustard seed wow. next to certain crops not because it got too big but because it was unruly oh. like it would kind of overturn these like nice orderly gardens and that's why it was like forbidden and i thought Man, if that is the example that Jesus uses when talking about faith that has power, is this little tiny seed, not just this seed that grows big, but also this seed that's that often is intent on like destroying nice orderly categories. Mm-hmm. I'd never consider that as like an important component of like a thriving faith that yeah. sometimes by the end of this, this thing's gonna look way different than what you, Ian Simpkins, planned on when it's you good. were nineteen years old at undergrad. Like ministry and life and grief and sorrow and beauty. And that's the stuff of real life, and it is messy, and in the midst of it, it's really hard to see the beauty in that, but I, I, I think it's worth like leaning into to continue to strive to letting some of that mess be present. You know? Yeah. Frost ends his, his thing saying this, Who doesn't love a forest? Teach your church to be like weeds, not to ruin the perfection of their neighbor's long uh, existence, but as agents of hope that life was meant to be more like a marvelous forest. Lead us into diversity, hospitality, justice, and reconciliation, no matter how messy and tangled it might be. That's good news and scary all at the same time. 
Well, you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. AM 1160. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome back to The Common Good on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined again by with Ian Simpkins. Uh, you can follow us at Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. You can find old shows of ours online at 1160hope.com. And as always, you can reach us by phone at 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. You're hoping I won't say it. Please don't say it. It's Ian's birthday today. Gosh, so if you it. want to call and wish Ian a happy birthday, <laughs> and uh, we would love. We've had some great calls so far. My dad sang Marilyn Monroe. That was a real win. Like, that seriously, is the best thing we've done in five <laughs> weeks. <laughs> it, is, it is like the, the best of show when we can't be here someday. It's just going to go on a loop. It's <laughs> going to go on a loop. He's, he'll be so proud. So one of the things, Ian, you know, both of us are pastors. We talk about that often, and that's one of the things about this show is – kind of two pastors who are working um, in the ministry, kind of talking about ministry and different pastoral things. And one of the things you and I have said from the beginning is we want to bring in other pastors. Yeah. And we want to um, interact, not just you and I, but bring in other pastors who are doing cool things and allow them to just kind of sit in and we'll talk. And so uh, that's what we've done today. Yes, sir. And so uh, he's your friend. Why don't you introduce him? I'm going to read his bio with no inflection whatsoever. Go I'm going to make this sound as unfriendly as possible, just like a, <laughs> like a robot is introducing my friend Jim. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, Reverend Jim Hollandoner was born and bred in that. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. you don't want to do that. You don't do that. <laughs> born and bred in the south suburbs of Chicago, he currently resides as the lead pastor of Munster Church, part of the Christian Reformed denomination. He definitely married up, I would agree to that, uh, to his high school sweetheart, Carrie, who called in earlier. <laughs> Wish she yeah. happy birthday, She yes. did, yes. They have three amazingly chaotic, beautiful, exhausting sons, Joey, Teddy, and Jack. Jim is a Southsider through and through, and Jim and his family uh, has always had a strong call to parish pastoring in Chicagoland area, and the Lord broadened that to include now Northwest Indiana. There's a beautiful tension in the Chicago NWI area when it comes to Christ, church, and culture, and Jim is trying every day to help bridge uh, that with the gospel, both in Matthew 25 and Matthew 28, understanding. You can learn more at munster.church, as well as Facebook at Munster Church. And uh, Jim and I also went to undergrad together. Jim, I'm so glad that you are here in the studio. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you guys so much. This This is so exciting to be here. I don't know who wrote that. Ooh, that was, <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Is it I true? We, like, do I need I to make any we corrections? we had a raffle. Um, <laughs> no, I think most of it was correct. That's yeah, good. most of it's correct. We'll I definitely it. married up. And Amen. being my first uh, time on this media, yeah. this being oh, in a is? studio, yes. You know, outside of maybe just like in my basement pretending that I was doing radio, <laughs> my wife had to trump and get on here first. She called. She did. Yeah. Was... 
Well, we're yeah. glad to have you here, man. And um, he did bring donuts, so that was also you, we put you on the air if you bring donuts. Is the way this works, apparently. <laughs> Set so, the bar really birthday, high, yeah, for your birthday. Uh, later on, uh, you're going to be here all hour with us. So later on, we're going to talk more about your ministry. Uh, and your church, but we thought it would be fun to get a third voice here. One thing Ian and I like to do is just tackle various topics of the day, whether it be, uh, you know, big political conversation or just stuff within the church. Uh, And with that said, guys, I came across an article that's been going around for a couple months now, and that's of Joshua Harris. You guys know Joshua Harris. Joshua Harris wrote the definitive dating book, at least from when I was in high school. I don't know about you guys, uh, called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And it's not uh, a stretch to say that Joshua Harris's I Kiss Dating Goodbye uh, formed the culture, the high school culture, for an entire generation, even though he totally was pretty agree. young at that time. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and so, A, I'd love to hear if you got, like, your interaction with that book as you were growing up, because it really, basically, the premise of the book was don't date. Right. It was don't date. Um, well, let's start there. What was your interaction growing up with that book? Is it one that you read? Was it something that you bought into? What was that? What role right. did it play for well, you? Well, that, that premise of not dating was easy for me to live up to because <laughs> no one wanted to date me. You could at least say it was because of so the So I was book. like, cool. Is there a book about that? <laughs> Outstanding. I'm, I'm with that guy. I hate no. Honestly, I I was not a good <laughs> I was not a good Christian. Like I went to youth group and I was like familiar with these titles, but yep. like I don't I remember certain particularly our pastors kids talking about it a lot, but uh I never really interacted with it much. It wasn't really until I moved out here to study uh, at Judson University that I like learned a little bit about the subculture and yeah. some of the stuff that um had come as a result. I I have a guess though that Jim's story is a little bit different there. Yeah, um, it was, you know, culturally growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, you know, being kind of a suburban mutt, if you will, right, been right. In like four or five different suburbs, different churches. It was kind of like I kissed dating goodbye until I wanted to date. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> you know, it, it was almost like I'm yes. going to use this like, oh, it didn't work out with her. So I am all in Joshua Harris, <laughs> like WWJHD, right? What would Joshua Harris do? And, uh, you know, but then That's all of a funny. sudden then another girl like, so it's like, well, you know, the Lord brought me to that season for two weeks yes. and now right. I'm going to date again. That's right. And it was interesting. I think the culture there was because what, I, again, I don't. I was not in Joshua Harris's mind when he wrote it, you know, by any means. But it was that understanding of dating, church, you know, where do you go with that? Yeah, and I right. think he's trying to put fences around a very, very wild, like a tent around a very wild circus. Yeah, if I can right. totally switch metaphors, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think that's why we're seeing some backlash on it now. Yeah, right. I think yeah. what, and I think you know, Brian, you're going to bring in that that article a little bit more. What's interesting now is that Joshua Harris has distanced himself from his own book. Right. So if you remember, Joshua Harris wrote the book, the definitive book for this gen- that generation on dating. He was 20 years old, and I think he said he had never dated anybody, which is interesting. I'm so glad nothing I was thinking at 20 years old is written down, by the and way. And I think that's what I want to get at. So I think me- I still say that in my 30s. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. So he says this. Uh, He wrote, I no longer agree with its central idea that dating should be avoided. I now think dating can be a healthy part of a person developing relationally and learning the qualities that matter most. In light of the flaws I now see in the book, I think it's best to discontinue its publication as well as other supplemental resources tied to it. My publisher, whose encouragement in this process has been deeply meaningful to me, supports this decision, and I will not reprint the book after the current copies in their inventory are sold. And I got to be honest. When I read this, it made me really angry. 
No kidding. It did. Okay. I didn't take it as like, oh, well, good. He kind of grew in this and that. I said, well, well then why'd you write it when you were 20? And uh. like, it became, I, I think I'm mad the way it molded my generation. I'm glad I didn't necessarily buy into this, but. Yep. It, and it made me think how many other people have spoken and written things that molded people. And then they say, oh, wait, no, never mind. So there's one hand, I do respect the fact that he's like, hey, I don't agree with this anymore. My my mind on this has evolved, but there's part of me that's like, that doesn't seem fair. Yeah, I, and I got to be honest too. There's a, l- a small part of me is a little suspicious too. Like like after all of this, there's going to be a documentary that comes out or another book. Like part of him uh, coming out against this. You are, is that not, part of it? I am not joking. The documentary has already come out. Oh boy, no, the documentary has already come out. Is not. it WWJD? JHD? <laughs> no, it is not. But he it's yeah. catchy. It's real catchy. He, he already did. So I don't know if you want to take the Joshua Harris thing or just in general. What do we learn from this? That that somebody who wrote like I mean, this, we can't overstate how big this book was. Yeah, and then just says, "Oh wait, no, never mind, never mind. I don't believe that anymore." And I think it comes in a culture, especially around dating, that is so subjective. Yeah, you right. put you you line ten pastors up, and there's oh, eleven different ideologies because you always have that one that want to give two, and yeah. so you mm-hmm. have all these different ideologies and maybe even theologies of dating. And to come back and you know, Brian, I think I, I second some of your more anger, emotions, frustration yeah. that, you know, why, you know, why, like, <laughs> yeah. like, why did you, why now go back on right. it? Is it maybe like you could go into one aspect of your book, kind of blow it up a little bit mm. for maybe those parts of hurt and maybe the documentary, you know, is going to touch on that. But, you know, I really think for the, the dating thing, I, I go back to my dad, mm. you know, so phenomenal man he was the best man at my wedding you know he always told me only date potential mates Mm. and i kind of wish that he would have talked to joshua harris before he wrote the book (laughs) because it could have been a really short book like that really cuts down like asking if you're a guy obviously from a guy's perspective why am i dating this person sure can i see myself marrying them that's still i think a good premise that's still a premise in you know 13 years of the pastor and i still try to you know when i have students come and talk to me about or even adults yep if you don't see yourself marrying them, what are you doing? Yeah, and uh, honestly, this may be a really unpopular opinion. I think I've alluded to this, but I think it does. Uh, things like this work do create uh, almost idolatry around virginity. And I've I've told college students, virginity is not the goal. And, it, and everyone guesses. I'm like, holiness is Christ likeness is. Yeah. When we create this this stigma, and and again, I I don't know why um, I'm I'm being sympathetic towards 20 year old Joshua Harris because yeah. I did so many stupid things at 20. And maybe I'd feel better if I found out, like, the proceeds from the documentary are going towards helping people, like, unravel and recover yeah. from some of, like, the toxic sentimentalities that were created as a result of his work. That that would make me—that uh, would lower my blood pressure a little yeah. bit. But I, I do wonder, though, at times, like, maybe maybe we've moved on from this, but, like, I always want to ask in the present day, okay, so what's, what is the modern version of this book now? Yes. That twenty years from now, we'll look back and say, "Oh man, we we let the pendulum swing way too far the other yeah. way." What's the wisdom in the here and now that we need to be mindful of, particularly when it comes to this topic? We are going to call that a segue. Let's carry that over into the next segment. So, coming up next, we're going to continue this conversation, spinning it forward from Joshua Harris into just how do we read authors? How do we uh, just kind of mo- go through this minefield a little bit? Well, uh, I'm Brian Fromm along with Ian Simpkins. Our friend here, Jim Hollandonor. Did I get it right? You did. I got it right. He's joining us. This is fun. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160. Hope for your life. 
1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, alongside Ian Simpkins again. Uh, If you'd like to get in contact with us, you could do so at 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. You can go online to 1160hope.com, and there you can find old shows. And also uh, continue the conversation at Facebook. That is The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio radio show. Well, Ian, we are being joined again for the whole hour by Jim Hollandoner, good friend of yours. You're saying we we're being joined by like he's uh like he's an infestation he almost. Is. Like he's he is. <laughs> yes, he's here. We're glad to it have It only took ten minutes for that to get out. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm kidding. Oh well. Uh Jim is the lead pastor of Munster Church and uh, excited to have Jim with us today. Guys, before the break, we were talking about Joshua Harris, and uh, basically he wrote the definitive book of the 90s and the early 2000s on dating at the age of 20, and basically said don't date. That high school kids, college kids, they should court but not date. And now uh, he's left the pastorate, he's now in school, and he said since going to grad school, it's kind of caused him to rethink all of this, and he's basically asked that his book be discontinued. And before the break, we wrestled with that a little bit and kind of said, you know, like that makes us uncomfortable or it made me uncomfortable to say, man, so many people bought into the premise and now you're just kind of calling a mulligan and saying no. And so, uh, Ian, before we went to commercial, you were kind of expounding upon like, what do we learn for the next person or who is the next person? So yeah. why don't you keep giving us your thoughts on that? Well, let me just first say, too, like this comes out of a place of uh horror when listening or reading old sermons that I myself have given. Absolutely. Like, that's the starting point for me. I just stumbled across a, an old hard drive that had sermons from when I was like 19 or 20, and I was like, I need to go heat this to a liquid and bury it in the ground so nobody <laughs> ever has to hear this. Not just because I was like cringing at the mechanics of preaching, but like legitimately feeling like, oh, I don't know that I believe most of that anymore. It was actually really humbling because 15, 16, 17 years ago, doesn't feel that long ago, and um, the twists and turns of my own faith, my own study, my own research, and to be honest, even just friends like the two of you coming alongside and speaking life and truth and correction, like I think that should be an ongoing journey. So I want to be careful to give grace to preachers, to authors, to say, hey, p- part of a living and breathing faith is that I think we will sometimes change our mind. I don't want to create a, a vacuum where, hey, if you wrote it, it's that till you die. Like yeah. that is that. I don't think that's healthy. On the other hand, something particularly as volatile as um, speaking to sexuality issues, uh, dating issues, uh, youth. As we know, you know, we all were youth pastors yes. uh, at one point, and um, I think that requires a certain level of of uh, finesse and caution when flinging that stuff out into the internet or writing a blog post or publishing a book. And um, I don't know. I don't think I'm. I'm qualified to speak to the voices right now that maybe are leading the charge in ways that I would say are totally uh, disruptive or toxic, but it's something that I, I want to be mindful of because it's easy to rag on this guy yep. with the perspective of history to say, wow, that was really jacked up, man. You shouldn't yep. have said that. But I also know I'm probably reading stuff right now that 15 years from now, I'll look back and say, why were you reading that? That was, yep. that's not good. That's not edifying. And I don't, I don't know what that's like for you guys, like in the, in the trenches ministry where you don't want to st- stop learning and growing but you also want to be mindful about what you're what you're taking in i don't jim do you have like rhythms about how you approach what you are or aren't engaging with in terms of content and media and all that 
Yeah, I think it's important. Obviously, we use this term relevance as pastors, right? We yeah. want to be relevant. And and I kind of, as much as I agree in the frustration of, you know, the kind of the my bad mentality that Joshua Harris has, like I shouldn't have written it. Hmm. I also don't think we can throw the baby out with the bathwater yes. and say there are some good things to take away from that book as okay. far as, you know, sexuality development, mm-hmm. you know, physical development, growing mm. up, mm. you know, I mean, all of our times in youth ministry, telling kids to be wise in their dating, to be, yeah. to, to, to hold their body as sacred yep. and to all of those things. That was not bad. No. And why do we know that wasn't bad? Because it's biblical. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so there are some aspects of this. I don't want just to all of a sudden, because he's rethinking it, we put a mute button on this whole conversation. Sure. Correct. Because I think that brings a lot more danger to it. Hmm. That, you know, that understanding as we were going to the break, my, you know, my father's encouragement to me of only dating potential mates, though it's quippy and poetic and fun and short and easy to remember, <laughs> it's so powerful. Yeah. I think if we look back on all of our dating adventures, at least mine was an adventure for a while, which, mm. you know, sometimes you didn't want to look. Like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I, understanding when my dad finally said that to me, that was transforming. Mm. And so pastorally, it's not so much to be relevant, because I think we would all agree when it comes to sexuality, the last, I don't know, five weeks mm. have been nothing but really reactionary. Mm. And that's probably never the best place to mm. start in a biblical pastoral understanding of sexualities. Let's just do everything in reaction. No, let's be proactive. Yeah, that's good. I think Joshua wanted that. I do too. I think that was the heart of what he was trying to do. Yep. So to say now, like, my bad, no, no, no. Like, it wasn't all bad. Right. But it's good. I Spinning this forward, we're pastors. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, let's put it this way. What is your pastoral advice to somebody about how to read, to read critically and to read you know, like you said, people read I Kissed Dating Goodbye and said, this is gospel. Yeah. So I'm going to put it in my life. Uh, there's any number of books. You talked about our sermons. Matt Chandler, who I love to listen to, purposely has not put his first three years worth That's of right. preaching onto their website. Because he says, for your exact reasons, <laughs> I was angry back then. Uh-huh. I preached angry. I don't like the messages I was giving. And so yeah. he keeps them off. Yeah. How do you guys, if somebody were to come to you and be like, all right, help me navigate this field well, Totally. what are what are some things we could give to people to hang on to? I would probably say a couple of things. One, reading in the context of community is absolutely critical. Good. Pe- people will see, it's why we have side view mirrors, right? There's things that, mm. blind spots that we won't be able to see based on, I mean, and that could either be something that's written or something that we're projecting into what's written. Uh, that's all very messy, as we know, as preachers. Sometimes people will hear things that we didn't actually say. The same is true with uh, works of literature. I think the other thing that's important, though, is that we read from various different streams. Like yeah. we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I think we need to do a better job in general of reading men and women, black and white, mm. west and east. Like there's just a lot that I think we we often um, shield ourselves from without knowing when we only listen from, you know, we only read from one publisher when we mm-hmm. listen to one stream. I think it's really important um, in the context of community to surround ourselves with people who are smart, but also will push back and will also offer perspective that's maybe yeah. different than our own. I think that's how we grow and we continue to learn how to think critically about this stuff. Yeah, I would say a lot of it also culturally speaking, you know, do I as a pastor, am I looking uh, am I looking at culture and then trying to find a Bible verse to come alongside of it? <laughs> right, or am right. I trying to look through the Bible totally. and to see the culture there? Totally. I had a seminary professor, David Fitch, at Northern Seminary. Mm. Uh, shameless plug. Nicely uh, <laughs> done. Dave and for Northern. But he would always say the tail doesn't wag the dog. Yeah. Right? right. And if the and if the dog is the Bible and is Christ and the gospel, mm. you know, and the tail is culture, 
you know, I have a I have a ten year old Dalmatian, and you know, he wags the dog. You know, he wags his own tail, right? Right. And so that that understanding of if we're not seeping it through the gospel first, yeah. And that's where I think like things like sexuality, things like relationships. Mm. You know, yeah. Did Jesus ever talk about dating specifically? Mm. Not. Mm-hmm. Culturally, no, right. you know, but if we're looking at that, he's saying you're, you know, be wise, be good stewards of your body, be right. good stewards of your emotions and your relationships. Good. Um, that you have to start there. Yeah. To start on the back end and come yeah. forward. Totally. You know, that's probably not the best. That's well said. I'm glad you brought Jim in today. Yeah, me too. This is I good. told you he was good. This is good. Coming up next, we're going to get to know Jim a little bit more. We're going to talk about his ministry, what's going on in Northwest Indiana. Uh, Ian, before we do, we have another phone call for you. It's Ian's birthday. (laughs) It's Ian's birthday. We were reminded he has a big family, so we're going to talk some of his family. Oh, man. Uh, So go ahead, Josh. Put that up for Ian. (laughs) Go ahead. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How how do phone calls work? I have no idea. Keep talking. It's it's pretty new technology. We'll give you some grace there. Right. Uh, Can somebody make an operator patch me through? grandmother used to do that for Bell South. That's and funny. she got free landline for life, which That's is true. not as valuable as you think anymore. <laughs> this is your next oldest brother, this isn't is it? it. This, yep, is, this, this is it. Is, this is Dr. Zachary Simpkins of Foundation Chiropractic in Michigan. Uh, That's great. <laughs> if anyone... If anyone feels like making a five-hour commute, <laughs> come on down. <laughs> he's worth it. I'm telling you, he's worth it. It's, I'm not worth it. That's just the honest. That's funny. That's it's above average. Uh, happy birthday, young man. Hey, thanks, brother. I love you, man. I love you too, man. This is uh, nice. we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about Emerson later, but going back to it. <laughs> I'm going to weigh in on what you guys said, but cut me off whenever you feel like it because you got a job to do and I'm just driving home from work. Uh, what you were saying about the, uh, the reading from different perspectives and different lenses and things like that, Emerson's got that quote. Uh, I believe it went by Raphael, maybe Ralph, not sure. Uh, but he, uh, I, I am uh, just like every meal I've eaten. I don't remember every, uh, every word I've ever uh, I've ever spoken, ever read, but those are the things that made me. Oh yeah, uh, I think it's it's important to like consume a variety of sources. If, you, if you're if you're only having fruit, if you're only having vegetables, if you're only having meat, then you get a, a singular perspective, and it's important to read uh, perspectives from other people, even if it doesn't sit well with you at the time. It does have utility to it. Man, oh, hey, if this good. if this whole chiropractic thing doesn't pan out for you, I think uh, you got to roll out as a Honestly, pastor. That's there you go. It's working out well right now. I, who knows? <laughs> there you go. Your, Universal healthcare will ruin me. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other segment. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. A whole no. other segment. Well, that's fun, man. We're getting calls from all over for you. People love you. <laughs> that's good. Well, again, you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Coming up next, we're going to get to know Jim uh, Holland owner a little bit better, talk about his ministry in Northwest Indiana. Just three pastors talking around the table. That's what's coming up next on The Common Good uh, on AM 1160. Hope for your life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160. Hope for your life. AM 1160. Coming up next on The Common Good, Ian and I are going to continue our conversation with Jim Hollandoner, lead pastor of Munster Church. But first, you made it through the polar vortex. Now it's time to get out of the house. Come to the Chicago Wolves Faith and Fellowship Night, Saturday, February the 23rd at the Allstate Arena. Before the game, be part of the Salvation Army service projects like blanket making, food prep, 
food prep and medical supply kit preparation. After the game, hear from Wolves players Tyler Wong and Reed Duke sharing their testimonies of faith impacting their lives and hockey careers. For tickets, visit chicagowolves.com or call Michelle at 847-832-1937. That's 847-832-1937. AM 1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined again by Ian Simpkins. Uh, You can follow us at Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, or you can call us at 312-660-2594, 312-660-2594. We've been taking calls all day because today is Ian's birthday. What are you, 28 today, 29? I'm uh, 84 years old. There you go. A lot of of age-defying cream. I think you said, what, 36 today? 36, So we're excited for you. Happy birthday. It's our first ever, like, uh, celebration as a show here. Well, I guess you did have a baby a couple weeks ago, so... (laughs) It's our second celebration. Minor don't worry, things, Brian. Yeah, don't worry about that. Things. It's our second Just the creation of life it's entering the world. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. But we've been taking phone calls, people, to celebrate Ian here on the, oh on the radio gosh. here. And we have a very special guest for you right now wanting to wish you a happy birthday. So go ahead. I'm famous. <laughs> but I, made, I made it on the radio. Congratulations. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's Ian's birthday. No. I was just calling to find out what time uh, Ian's getting home. <laughs> As you could probably tell, this is Ian's wife. Call and make sure he gets yeah. milk. <laughs> so, Hi, babe. I love you. I told our... Hi, I love you, too. I told our son, our uh, 15-month-old, I was like, Papa's on the phone. You want to say hi? And he went to the door. <laughs> so starts pulling that sounds like a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> hi, Katie. Uh, that's that's Jim. Who's that, Jim? That's Jim. <laughs> Who's that? Jim? I don't know because I can't see your face, Jim. There's <laughs> radio. It's true. Know that. For those of you who don't know, Jim actually married Katie and I. So uh, yeah, that we was have such we... a great day. And you said I married up. Yeah, no kidding. You no kidding. I, I'm the definition of marrying you up. Kicked your coverage. I sure did, man. That's a sports analogy that I will pretend I get. <laughs> that's good. I'll take it. There you go. <laughs> Well, Ian is looking forward to coming home and staying up all night trying to rock a baby to sleep. So, right, right. that's good. <laughs> oh, well, there you go, man. More phone calls for you. Thanks, babe. I love you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, the third voice you hear today is Jim Holland donor, and Jim has been gracious enough. We were going to have him on just for the last two segments today, but he's sitting in all hour with us. And as a reminder, if you're new here, Jim is the lead pastor at Munster Church uh, in Munster, Indiana, in Northwest Indiana. So, Jim, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your church? How old is it? Uh, what, are, what are some cool things you guys are doing? What do you enjoy being about being a pastor? All sorts of stuff there. Absolutely. Uh, the good people at Munster Church and I, we've been in a, what you call that, marriage of ministry. I've been there just shy of six months. Oh, wow. Uh, yes. You know, people oh. always say, like, oh, here comes the end of the honeymoon period. Yep, and it's yep. like, to be honest, and I'm going to brag on my church a little please, bit. Please I do. don't think there will be one. That's awesome. You know, That's I, great. You, you ask how old it is. In two years, the church will be 150 years old. Wow. Wow. And so it was the first Christian Reformed Church in Indiana. And it was, I didn't know just the, the deep-seated foundation that that church had and all the partnerships it's created and kind of they've it's it's interesting we talk about like daughtering churches or planting churches right they're literally like a great grandmother 
planting church because they have churches that have since then planted other churches. That's awesome. And it's interesting, the church that I came from, I was at the good people of First Christian Reformed Church in Crown Point okay. uh, for just under five years, and that was one that was Munster grandmothered planted that church. No kidding. Wow. It's weird to say out loud, but it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, Munster, Indiana, I don't know if either one of you, you will have dined on the Munster Donuts. I did bring those. <laughs> it's true. I did bring those. Um, it's it's right there on exit one. So mm. it's, it's oh, okay. as much as it's northwest Indiana, it's also that kind of southwest suburb right. of Chicago corridor. Right. You know, the you know concrete right there, 8094, going straight through it. And uh, it, it brings such a, 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 you know, I always say variety is a spice of life. I didn't come up with that. Someone way smarter than I did. And there's such a variety in Munster. That's awesome. You have steeped tradition in churches. There's three churches on Ridge Road, which is the main road that cuts through it, that total uh, almost 500 years of churching. Hmm. And that's just amazing wow. to yeah. think about that. That really uh, is. St. Thomas More, uh, first PCA in Lansing, and then Munster Church. Wow. But Munster Church, what I have found and what my family's, A, they, they you know called my wife and I with our three beautiful, wonderful, chaotic, exhausting, great boys. <laughs> um, you know, and so I, I made sure they like, you guys know what you're getting, right? right, right. Like, we love it. Bring it on. And I was kind of like, oh, they're just saying that. No, they really mean it. That's, that's great. Awesome. And uh, I mean, just the, the, the spiritual... Uh, foundation that's there. Yep. There's people that uh, love the Lord, which is always a good thing, yep. you know, and you want obviously the church to be that, you know, but a genuine love to want to reach the community. Yep. Mm. It's not something they just uh, put in lip service and let's mm. just do all these things to come to the church. We are trying now so hard to get out to be the church. Yeah. Awesome. And even saying some of these things, it kind of sounds quippy and cliche, but I mean, that's really the heart of Jesus right? yep. mm. is to go and be with people. They didn't wait for him to come to them. That's right. You know, uh, and so that's something that we're trying to be about. Uh, we, along like you guys, because I know you guys have been tracking too with the Explore God series. Yes. And so we've been doing that as well. And awesome. that has been phenomenal. And we've seen some, some really neat fruit come out of that. Um, it's uh, my, the, our uh, president of the council. Uh, he, he made a comment at our elders meeting last night uh, that, or a couple nights ago that uh, he had about six families come by. And he's been at the church probably 50 years. Uh And he said, I had six families that I got to say hi to. I had no idea who they were. That's awesome. And that's That's just an exciting thing for us. Totally. Um, And, you know, we're trying to, again, we're trying to do that whole idea of, you know, feeding those that are hungry, uh, both physical needs with our soup kitchen and different things, or our food pantry that we do, but also with the gospel. That's awesome. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, our our kind of our vision statement is loving God, loving people. Mm. We didn't come up with it. It's in the gospel of Matthew. Um, <laughs> We've heard but, that so yeah, yeah. You know, but it's a, it's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one to kind of dive into. And we don't want to be just about us. Yeah. You know, one of the things That's that good. I love, and Ian's known my heart. I mean, I've known Ian and has been close with Ian going on 15 yeah. years. Yep. Good night. Um, <laughs> 15 years. And that's really been, I think, the heart for both Ian and I, you know, and, and Brian, I'm going to, knowing I've gotten to know you over the last month, you guys have been doing the show. Yeah. That, that's really what it's about. It's about going and being yeah, with right. people, you know, and just listening to that's where I think my wife and I feel so called to this area because you could walk down any one block hmm. and there's about 19,000 things going on. Yep. Yep. You go to the next block and it's, it's, it's totally different. Wow. And you know, it's, it's such a shock from maybe more rural churches, not saying that they have it all together either, yep. right. but there's just such a diversity in the South suburbs, Northwest Indiana area, you have all these towns, and there's town pride, but they're all melded together. Right, right. And so, 
Yeah, that's just something we're trying to do. We're trying to bring the gospel. Bring what I always say. We're trying to be a lighthouse, right? Trying, awesome. trying to bring light to dark places. That's awesome, man. Well, I, just to say it out loud, uh, you're one of my all time favorite people. Not just because <laughs> you have the same sick sense of humor that I do, but I, I just think you're incredibly wise and pastoral. And I, I, uh, I really uh, enjoyed seeing um, our journeys together and now in different areas. Like I just think that's a really fascinating thing that you and I. Uh, as college people 15 years ago, I'm, again, so grateful that Facebook didn't exist when we first met each other. Amen. And uh, that's a really, really good thing for us. But I would love, just in the last minute or so, because I think you're not just an incredible uh, communicator, but also you have an incredible pastoral heart. Um, and we have a, a pretty diverse audience of people. Some are Christ followers, some are on the fence, some have been really kind of burned by churches. Could you just kind of speak pastorally to people who are listening, who are maybe like in the midst of heartache or trial, or they're like looking for a church, or they're wondering about their own church. I just think you have a, an incredible capacity to speak to people like right where they're at. Oh, my. That was quite the setup, wasn't it, Brian? That <laughs> it was, really was. Yeah. was oh, oh, man. I'm just going to, I'm going to stick to what I know. Uh, in the Bible, there's a, a situation where the woman's caught in, a, in the act of adultery. Yeah. And um, one of the things I love about, about uh, what Jesus did, and it was actually something I heard from a, a common mentor that Dave, or that Ian and I have, Dave Sanders, yep. uh, did a talk once about how everything Jesus did in that encounter was to take the focus off the woman and onto himself. Mm. And, you know, from everything, from the, what he did, from the lying in the sand, all that stuff. But then what does he do? He kind of gets down on her level. Yeah. He doesn't say, hey, I'm the savior of the world. Come to me. Yeah, right. Get to my level. He entered her space. Totally. And said, and asked her a question, engaged her, yep. and said, "Where are your condemners?" She's looking around. I mean, none of us were there, but you know, the Bible tells us that there's, they all left. Yep. And he said, "Neither do I condemn you." Yep. He didn't stop at that. I mean, right. in our yeah. in our culture, a little bit, we would have loved to stop there. Right. Yes, I'm not condemned. Right. But then he says, "Go and sin no more." Yeah. And I think that's that's good. Really, the if there's you know, knowing that I am by far from perfect, and praise God for that, but. Um, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's yeah. something I remind my church every Sunday. We are the only thing we have in common are two things: we're all sinners, and Jesus loves us. Mm. Yeah. And um, you know, if that's not that kind of level at the cross place totally. to meet with people, totally. Um, I don't know what is. That's and great. I and I think that you know, there's a part of the church that needs to bring people in. You know, no matter who they are, what their stories, what their background, their baggage, all of these things that they're slung over their back. But it's to remind them of the gospel, mm. and then what the gospel supports kind of supposed to do yeah and, right. and how that incarnationally goes into all of that yeah totally. and um it's good yeah well it's really good to have you you're going to well, get to do you. something now because you've sat in for so long that nobody in the history of our show has done and that is to <laughs> join us for our last segment that we like to call internet insanity oh my <laughs> and it just gets a little wild and crazy so we we met- do have the internet in northwest indiana <laughs> we do we do i do we do have that yep yeah. so coming up next uh we're going to land this plane as we like to say Uh, just with some crazy stories we found on the internet. This is The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. AM 1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm along with Ian Simpkins, and we are... We have the pleasure of being joined by Jim Holland donor today, Jim from Munster Church in Munster, Indiana. Uh, and in this last segment, we like to just get a little crazy. We like to go find some stories <laughs> we found on the internet. 
You know, I got to be honest. This feels like the craziest show we've ever had. Yeah, everything feels just a bit manic. I don't know if that's just because I'm like seven cups of coffee in right yeah. now. <laughs> everything feels a little off the rails, and I kind of love it. I'm and not going to lie. And it's, you know, if you've been with us at all today, it's Ian's birthday. Gosh, so we've gotten it. some fun phone calls today. My wife's famous now. Your wife is famous. <laughs> Your dad sung like Marilyn Monroe. Like, None I've of, had fun today. Um, None of this is surprising. I- <laughs> <laughs> It is. For those of us who don't know Ian more than the last five weeks, we're like, all right, I get it now. (laughs) I get it now. (laughs) I'm good. Well, Jim, what we'd like to do in this last segment is just the internet never fails, right? The internet always wins. So what are some crazy stories that we found on the internet? I'm going to start from Colorado. All right, Colorado. Man survives bear attack and shark attack (laughs) in one year. A Colorado man survived a bear mauling and a shark bite within the span of the year. Luckiest man or unluckiest man? Unluckiest. There's just no, I'm never hanging out with that guy ever again if I'm his friend. Do you leave your house? I don't know. Yeah, right. I mean, I, no. Most things, food could be dropped off, medical supplies, yes. doctors. Yeah, right. So, I don't know if I'm leaving. I, I, I'll lock myself in the basement for a month if I stub my toe. So like, there's, there's no way. I got to be honest. There's part of me that's like unluckiest man, but part of me, if I'm this guy, I'm like, I'm invincible. That's a good point. I've like, never met this guy, me. but I know the two of you, and I know myself. <laughs> that would not be said of any of us. Uh-uh. That's true. That between that bear or that shark, we'd be gone. But how do you not lead every conversation with that story? Like, if anyone else tries to tell, like, a crazy story, you're like, oh, that's an interesting story. Never tell you about the year that I was attacked by a bear and a shark. All right, Gary, you win. We get it. Like, that guy always wins. Top of his dating profile. Absolutely. I guess dating goodbye. What we don't know is if anything happened to him. Like, he might be without an arm or leg. Who knows? Oh, gosh. Well, now I'd feel awful laughing about it. Jeez Louise. All right, Jim. Your turn. All right. So, um, yeah, this is from my uh, hometown state where I'm at right now, Illinois. Uh, the title is Man Tattoos Wrong Rover. Oh, gosh. <laughs> say that five, 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 five. I can't even say that. Man Tattoos Wrong Rover in honor of NASA's Opportunity Rover. And why this caught my eye is if you actually, those in Radioland, you can't see it, but imagine the, the TV or the cartoon Wally. That's kind of what he had uh, tattooed on his arm. Oh, boy. With the uh, quotation, my battery is low and it's getting dark. Um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot more I can say. That's this, awesome. I, I'll pray for him. Is um, we, I took my, my family on a vacation this Christmas, and we took my three boys, who are six, four, and two, to the Kennedy Space Center. And my middle son, Teddy, has, has wanted to be an astronaut ever since he could talk, so okay. probably two years and it literally took the Kennedy Space Center 15 seconds to blow that dream up That's for my awesome. son. We went to this movie thing. He saw the Challenger blow up, and he cried and walked oh, out going, no. I don't want to be an astronaut anymore. <laughs> so now, uh, so now uh, Teddy wants to be a pirate. So that's nice. the end of that story. Nice. Like, like digital piracy or like swashbuckler no, pirate? No, because he got to meet um, uh, Jack Sparrow. And that's so, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that was his, he met him. He's like, yep, I found that's, my calling. That's, that's the guy I want to model my life Spirit after. Spirit animal. All right. <laughs> Birthday boy, we have much less time than you think with three of us here. So give us your one for the day. Okay, well, so uh, I, I don't think we've ever done a segment um, and not gone to Florida. So, so go there. So here we go. She said her Uber tried to kidnap her. It was a mix-up, Tampa police say. So I'll let you find that story for yourself and find the details. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jim, thanks so much for Thank joining you us. Guys. This has this been a lot of blast. Fun. And Ian, happy birthday, my friend. Oh, is it my birthday? Thanks. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, brother. Thanks, man. Thank Love you for joining you us guys. today. This is The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Have a great day, Chicago.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.